Thanks for listening to the news live on WBEZ and NPR. The WBEZ stream sounds great in the kitchen on your smart speaker and anywhere on the WBEZ app. Listen every day. What's up, Chicago? I'm Erin Allen, and this is The Rundown. I live for summertime shy, and I know that's one of the big reasons a lot of us love this city. This time of year, it seems like there's a music festival or a food festival every weekend. And look, I end up at a lot of places in the city, concerts, block parties, but some of these events have me wondering who they are really for. This is like a long-standing thing that we see with arts and culture in Chicago in which, you know, what gets celebrated and what gets welcomed and what gets invited isn't necessarily accessible or reflective of all Chicagoans. That's Ricardo Gamboa. They're a Chicago-based artist, activist, and cultural critic. They have a lot of thoughts on this, especially in light of Riot Fest, which has been causing tension in the surrounding community for years now. I also wanted to talk to somebody who's organized an event with community engagement in mind. That's where Eric Williams comes in. Every year, the expenses start to grow. From 500 bucks to 1,500 to 5,000 to 10,000. Eric is the founder of The Silver Room, and he founded and organized The Silver Room Block Party for almost two decades. It started out as a literal block party and got bigger and bigger until it got to be too much. He eventually decided to end it earlier this year. So I sat down with Ricardo and Eric to get at the question, is it possible to put on a large scale event in Chicago that also actually engages community? We started by talking about the events and festivals Ricardo loved growing up. Yeah, I mean, the Silver Room Block Party was definitely kind of like a cultural, like just like highlight and like staple. Um, but then there was also the Taste of Chicago, right? Which was, you know, I grew up in like the heyday and like the peak of like the Taste of Chicago when like millions of Chicagoans would come out. And, you know, for a kid from like the South Side of Chicago, that was so exciting because you weren't just able to go into downtown. And we know what downtown signify for cities, right? They're kind of like the heart of the city. They're kind of where you're living that urban lifestyle, that kind of fantasy. But it was also a way in which you were exposed to parts of, of, of to, were exposed to so much other cultures, um, kind of like the, the food. We talk about the importance of breaking bread. You were literally able to do that at the Taste of Chicago. Um, uh, but then also in one of the most segregated cities in the country, especially at that time, you were able to kind of see this, these different people kind of coming together and, and taking a public space. Yeah. Um, Eric, I would love to hear, um, yeah, some of the, some of your favorite things that you used to like to go to um, as a kid. Yeah. I mean, well, for me, I used to love actual block parties, like actual local neighborhood block parties where you would pull up a car, block the street off, you know, my aunties would come out with a, with a barbecue pit and they'd make food and the kids would, Put some chalk on the ground and everyone would do double dutch. Like those to me are actually my most fun memories of just like as a child. And we're just moving forward, just like the little small street festivals. Um, just being out with people. I'm from actually the South Suburb. And um moving to the city when I was 18 just was a whole new world for me. You know, I'm from a town that was all black. It was it was all black, you know. And then coming to the city and especially with the park, it was everybody, Puerto Rican friends and Polish, and blonde, just kind of like this mm. melding of cultures to me is what I was most excited about coming to the city and just hearing different kinds of music and learning about, you know, different kinds of food. That's what the city is to me was about. We're so separate in many ways, but we have yeah. this richness that when you have festivals or even sports in many ways, we bring people together. So it was an energy that I loved about. It. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
tell me about, I mean, I'm sure there's some some inspiration there, but tell me about um, how you conceived of the Silver Room Block Party and what kind of space you really wanted to create with that. Well, the Block Party actually was born out of the lack of diversity in the other Northside festivals. Because I was on the board of one of the ones in Wicker Park, and uh, I was asking about, hey, how come there's no Black performers? Like, mm. there was literally no Black performers. And wow. I'm like, we're in a city with, you know, we started house music, and jazz and blues, and we're right by Humboldt Park, you know, we have salsa music, this richness that we could have in this community, and we don't somehow have it on the celebration. And we would you know, have it at the Red Dog, you know, these clubs at night, but when it came time to actually feature these performers, you wouldn't see them. So after about probably three or four years of asking, then it, to me it turned almost to begging. I'm like, you know what? I'm not going to beg anymore. I'll start my own thing because I knew all the people. Plus, I actually DJ, so I knew all the DJs, all the graffiti artists, all the people who dance, all the poets. Mm. So I called some friends up, and we just had our own little things. That's how it started. Ricardo, you started to get into some of this earlier. Um, I want to just bring forth the tweet um, that you posted um, that originally kind of piqued my interest where you were criticizing how some events show up in Chicago without consideration for the community um, that they show up in. Um, was there a particular incident, moment, event, um, or conversation that led to you writing that tweet? Yeah, I mean, I think one of the things that's been ongoing that we've been seeing in recent years in Chicago increasingly is the way in which it's this battle about who the city is really for. Mm. And one of the things that we've seen in recent years is the way in which the city seems to be willing to welcome um, certain kind of events and cultural events that don't necessarily um, represent or seem accessible to a lot of the people in Chicago and in fact can really like inconvenience and and take over their space right so a good example is Riot Fest which is kind of a three-day festival that occurs in Douglas Park um in which community residents have been saying like hey like we're already like out here in vulnerable communities where this park gets to be one of the only places where we get to for recreation and we don't even get to now access it because of the weeks that it takes to prepare for this park, because the tickets aren't necessarily accessible to us, uh, because the roster isn't necessarily reflective of, you know, of our taste. And then and then we actually don't get to access the park when when it's getting taken, you know, when it's getting taken down. Yeah. I've heard this argument made um, by some people, you know, in, in response to some of what you said. That's like, you know, well, there, there are the people who don't want us here, but then there are people who come to the festival, right? Those are the people who want us here. I mean, can you speak to that? You know, I don't think that, I, I don't think, I think that's a, that's a, that's not a great framing for the issue. That's mm -hmm. not, that doesn't necessarily actually address the, the, the issues of inequity. It actually doesn't address people's concerns. It's actually a way of shielding yourself from, you know, forms of accountability and forms of being able to be responsive and be a part of community. Um, and so I think that's just kind of a um, elusive, and divisive tactic. Eric, how do you think about engaging people when you're organizing, when you have organized the Silver Room Black Party, and what challenges have you run into? Sure, sure. Um, I think I have a very unique perspective on this one because I started something that was very small, very inexpensive, that grew to something that was very large and very expensive. So uh, um, I understand all the, I understand both sides, you know, and just to give you a little bit of background, right? So when I started the block party, I think I spent about 500 bucks for the entire event. It was, I own the equipment, right? 
Uh, we did it in an alley, so I had no permit. Uh, it was Ricardo and some friends, you know what <laughs> I mean? So I didn't pay any of the artists. We had no security. We had no porta potties. People used the bathroom in the back of the store. Um, and so it was no big deal. It was 500 bucks, right? The more people came, the more the costs start to rise. Here's one example. The first block party, I paid zero for generators. Last year, it was $125,000. What? For generators. Yes. I'll show you the bill. Just the generators. Just the generators. The security, $75,000. Um, so my first block party was $500. Last year's block party was $1.5 million. From five hundred to one and a half million dollars. So in saying that, it can't be free anymore. So I understand the other side. It's no defense of those bigger festivals, but I completely understand. They're very expensive to put on, super expensive. And then you want to pay the artists, you know. Now you change, mad. you change. See, this is what happens. You go from five hundred <laughs> to one point exactly. five million. You talk about charge them. You have to <laughs> understand Riot Fest. What? No, I just play. I just play. no, no, no. But I'm, no, but I. I I see both sides for real. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. at the end of the day, I could take a hit for $5,000, $10,000. I was taking a hit for thirty, forty, fifty $50,000. I could almost justify how I could make that work. It's marketing for my business, blah, blah. I can't justify two, dollars $300,000. So it gets to a point where either you just don't do it or you have to charge. It's, it's, there's no way around it. And you have to get sponsors. Now you've been sponsored by some people you might not even agree with their, you know, with their ethics. But these, oh, I'm going to write you a check for $50,000. I need this money. I don't really like high fructose corn syrup. I need the seventy-five thousand dollars. You know what I mean? So now you can't grapple with that kind of stuff. You want to keep the ticket prices low, but you got to pay for the porta potties. It's forty thousand dollars. So now you get to this thing. When I first started block party, it was ninety percent fun, ten percent business. Now it's ten percent fun, ninety percent business because you have to pay mm-hmm. for these things. Period. If you don't pay for it, the producer of the events on the hook. I lost over one million dollars doing a block party. Over the last 18 years, I never made a penny. So tell me about your decision to to not do the black party anymore. Yeah, I mean, I'll just kind of what I was saying. It was never intended to be a festival. It was meant to be a party for some customers and some friends. You know, a couple thousand dollars, I can swing it. Five thousand bucks, I can swing it. You know, at some point, you can't swing a million dollars. Now it's a business. Now, not just the money, my time. You start planning things a year out. The block party ends the next week. You got to have a deck ready for sponsorship for the next week. You got to start making the next year. You got to start booking artists, you know, for the next year. And now these artists, hold other thing. The artists used to be, sure, Eric, I'll do it. Now they're like, wait a minute. There's a lot of people here. I want $40,000. <laughs> you know what I mean? So this whole idea of community for the love, that kind of changed. Because people see numbers and they, their minds change. They assume that there's money flying around all these places. And it, it just, it never was. With me, it wasn't, you know. So it became this thing that I didn't want it to be. It was meant to be a party for some friends. It was not meant to be a festival with all of this stuff and insurance and liability. It's just like it was way too much. What is the answer? You know, like, is it possible to create a large scale event that engages a lot of people but that is ethically and community-minded um, that accounts for for the folks who are um, directly and indirectly impacted by the event. And I, I want to pose that question to y'all. I mean, um, you know, whoever wants to start, I, I want to hear from both of you. I mean, is it is it possible? So so here's my take on it, right? 
in an ideal world, which we don't live in, everyone would give what they can, right? So the person who has no money, man, give a dollar. The person who has a ton of money, give 10000 That would be the ideal way to do this. But that's not how we work, you know? And we've all done it. We see the size of, say, donations. We walk right past it. I'm just being honest, right? We couldn't give a donation, but a lot of us just don't. So that's the real, which is why you have to force people to donate, which is a ticket, basically. And these ticket prices become a lot of money because the costs are a lot of money, you know? So I was trying to figure this out for the last 18 years. Is it part donation-based? We get some sponsors. The vendors pay a fee to vend and they make money. That's how festivals are, 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 are paid for by those four or five major you know, revenue streams. It's tickets, liquor, uh, sponsors, and uh, vendor fees. Eric, did you ever have any city subsidies helping you out? Um, no, no. I even think like when we're, we're hearing Eric like speak, like one of the things that it, that it also talks about is like there is no infrastructure for growth necessarily or to kind of enable and kind of help and help spur the growth of of an enterprise like something like the Silver Room Block Party, right? That was that was out mm. there, out of that came out of a sense of love to kind of create community, yes. and so um, to that kind of wanted to to bring people together to kind of transgress all these boundaries of of you know of kind of like racial division and who gets invisibility and things like that, and how there really isn't isn't that there. But the minute we want to throw a festival for some, you know, like Lollapalooza or like NASCAR in which, you know, so much of the attendance is going to be suburbanites or people even coming in all of a sudden the city is willing to, to kind of help out and to kind of like participate and to give them free reign and to make all sorts of concessions and dole out all sorts of resources. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Uh, We had a study, we had a, we did a study in Hyde Park and we were, uh, we were two point something a million dollars we generated for the local economy in Hyde Park with the last block party we did here. Because think about people flying in, wow. the hotels, the food, the vendors make money. I mean, so it is it is a lot of money generated from the small local festivals. Yeah. Um, you know, the the summer is technically not over yet. <laughs> and uh even even if it is over, I guess I'm wondering, um, Eric, why don't you start? Is there something that an event that you're excited to go to that you know when you go, you're going to feel good about being there, um, what's behind it, how it got organized, and uh, your experience while you're there. Well, I can probably say any event that I don't produce, <laughs> never <one. laughs> I'm like, yeah, there's a lot of work. They had to call up the Port of Plenty guy. They had to call up the fence. Uh, they have something to be over here. I'm like, I'm not in the mood of like trying to organize this event. I just want to kind of enjoy it. Yeah, but um, I love what David Chavez is doing at Millennium Park, and it's, it's a good friend of mine. And you know, he puts some wonderful artists. He thinks about the community, he thinks about the city. He has you know, all kind of music. He has something for everybody. So I think Millennium Park is like one of my favorite things in the summer. Hmm. How about you, Ricardo? You know, because like I've I've been living downtown the past couple of years, and I don't get to really kind of like enjoy it because there's just always something going on here like my favorite times now are kind of just like waking up uh early and getting on my bike and just biking down the lakefront mm. um and then there's the events that the events that kind of happen through rituals so like you know my favorite time is near the end of the summer going tomorrow's Italian lemonade stand on taylor street and you know getting my getting my uh 
my medium chocolate lemonade with my $2 bag of cashews and then going across the street and getting my Al's beef and my fries and sitting down the stoop. Um, that is an event in and of itself that I'm kind of looking forward to. Um, and, you know, I'll probably check the calendar and see what else they got. I always am like, I'm going to do all this during the summer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then like I do like a third of it. And then near like September, I'm like scrambling, looking at where I'm going to go. <laughs> That's the thing about the city. I mean, it's so many things to do, which I, I appreciate all the diversity. Like even if I don't go, it's like there's a Polish festival happening. I'm not going to go. Mm-hmm. But I appreciate the fact that we have the Polish festival. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. I went to the Printer's Row uh, Lit Fest last mm-hmm. week. That's one of my favorite events. I love just walking around looking at books. Um, all the little small South Side neighborhood uh, events. I mean, there's so many things happen in the city, which that's what we live here for. The whole summertime shy thing. We live through these crazy winters for the summertime. Eric Williams is the founder of the Silver Room and the Silver Room Black Party. And Ricardo Gamboa is a Chicago-based artist, activist, and culture critic. Eric, Ricardo, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate it. And that's it for today. Thank you to Justin Bull and Sarah Stark for producing The Rundown and to Ariel Van Cleve for editing the show. Our theme music is by Louis Weeks. The Rundown is produced by WBEZ Chicago and is a part of the NPR Network. And we love hearing from you. Email us with your thoughts, questions, and what you want to hear on The Rundown. Email therundownpod at wbez.org. I'm Erin Allen. Thank you for listening. I'll talk to you later.